0: Welcome to El John's La Liga Weekly. Barca's crisis goes on, top of La Liga and still in the Champions League. They beat Real Sociedad by a single goal from a soft penalty. Messi was a bit flat, but then you would be if you'd been carrying the hold of Barcelona for three years. But remember, whatever the question is, the answer is not Neymar. Uh, Real Madrid played with great intensity... For three and a half months, what else do you want? They're not sweaty tryhards who play like that every game. Feny Valverde has become an accidental hero. He gets better every time he doesn't play. Atletico and Sevilla drew after shockingly producing a four-goal first half. That would be enough to get Atleti through against Liverpool. In fact, all they need to do is replicate Bournemouth's results in Anfield. Can't be that difficult. Elsewhere, proving he has no concept of irony, Jose Bordelas complained about Celta Vigo's anti-football. Betafé's Champions League hopes suffered a minor setback, so maybe Leandro Cabrera did make a great decision to move to Espanyol, where he's now the goalkeeper. (laughs) Uh, We'll look at the rest of La Liga, including Mallorca winning away. Hooray! (laughs) All right, quick note. uh, We are recording this Tuesday, but you won't hear it until it's been uploaded Wednesday. So, sorry, Valencia, we've written you off uh, in the Champions League. But it does mean that we can't really give you an update on the fixtures this weekend where they're played behind closed doors because of the coronavirus. Um, wash your hands. <laughs> Don't be skanky. All of those things. And good luck and yeah, <laughs> stay, stay fit and well. Uh, Barca Napoli is behind closed doors. We know that. Uh, but other than that, you know, it's, you know, follow the advice. Don't hoard toilet roll, that kind of thing. Right. <laughs> uh, let's get on with the football, shall we, Terry? Where Where do you want to start? Do you want to do chronological? I know we should have produced this beforehand, shouldn't we? <laughs> but... Um, Shall we Shall we start with Barcelona and then we'll move on to how uh, Real Madrid got on? Because for all, everyone was critical about Barcelona's rather flat performance uh, against Real Sociedad. They are, are somehow have turned out to be the winners of the weekend.
1: Yeah, I think we have to put into context as well that the Barcelona plan, what we all perceive now this season, to be a very good Real Sociedad. I know they had the Copa del Rey semi-final in the week, mid-week, where they were victorious, but you go into that slightly jaded, but on a high because you've you know reached a cup final, plus you're playing against the atletico Bilbao, your, your rivals, your neighbours in a final in, in, in April. So the mood from Real Sociedad, despite making a few changes would have been good. So, let's put it into context. I thought both games this weekend were going to be tough for both teams, Barcelona and Real Madrid. So, yes, it it wasn't a a classic Barcelona performance, far from it. They were fortunate to get the win. It It was just about a penalty, but I thought Real Sociedad should have had a penalty as well when Griezmann shoved... A player that was just going, I can't remember, the Real Sociedad player just going into the penalty area. I thought that should have been a penalty, even with VAR. When VAR looked at it, I thought that's going to be a foul. Pushing the back should be a penalty. So it, yeah, Barcelona created a few chances. Real Sociedad had better opportunities. I thought PK and Longley were superb again, but they're far busier week in, week out than they should be. And, and it... In in general, when you look at it overall, it's a good result for Barcelona. Real Sociedad are a really good team, and you know Barcelona just scraped home. So it, it it's far from what we used to associate with Barcelona. But I'm afraid at the moment we're, we're going to have to forget the you know the Pep teams, the Luis Enrique teams. You know, this is not that the, they're not at the same level. It's um, managers having to chop and change every week, not because he's rotating, it's because he's searching. He's searching for the best pair in central defence, where I don't think there is a big issue, but he's he's searching around all the, the positions, trying to find a solution, in particular in midfield and up front, to, to see how Barcelona can play anything remotely like he wants them to play. Uh,
0: where do we start? I know we've talked about Griezmann before. Um, let's so let's leave Griezmann
1: alone for now. Uh, let's talk. Go on. Well, I was, uh, funny enough, I was looking at that game at the weekend and I'm thinking, at the start of the game, I'm looking. He needs to replicate and find his Atletico form. He hasn't even found his Real Sociedad form because they were playing Real Sociedad. I'm looking at Real Sociedad and thinking, I'm not sure he wouldn't get him. He wouldn't, and this current form, he wouldn't even get into their starting team. When you look at the quality of their front players, how well they've played this season, he he, he he's a million miles away. So we say leave him alone, but it, it's difficult too because I, I just look at him and compare him to other good players that got great players that have gone to Barcelona and have failed, and and it, it's. The top end of the pitch, Coutinho has been exactly the same. We've completely forgotten about Coutinho. He's going to be back at Barcelona because Bayern are not going to pay what Barcelona want for him. He's then going to become an issue. I won't be surprised to see Coutinho playing again at Barcelona next season. So it's when you you pay big money like Barcelona have done and other clubs and you pay the big wages, you kind of get stuck with those players unless their value has gone up, unless they're playing well. And their value has gone up, which could have happened with Griezmann. He could have gone there, he could have ripped it up, he could be worth two hundred million now. Um, like Mbappe, for instance. So if that doesn't happen, then you're stuck with a player. Gareth Bale is another one. You know, I know he's changed with Thieves a long time ago, but the six hundred grand a week wages means Real Madrid is stuck with him. And it could be the same with Griezmann. You know, it's a changing world where we're now sending players that cost over hundred million out on loan. And they're coming back again. James Rodriguez is back at Real Madrid. That shouldn't have happened. You know, he should have been sold or he should be playing or, you know, it, it's, he shouldn't be back at Real Madrid on the bench sitting alongside Gareth Bale and the pair of them thinking, we ain't getting on tonight, you know, unless this happens, unless that happens. Big money players are sitting there and I, I, I wonder what's going to happen to Griezmann next season now. Um, so on Messi,
0: um, how do Barcelona start to future-proof Lionel Messi. He's still he was Player of the Month in La Liga in February. He's the top scorer by five in in the in the league. He's still a brilliant player, um, but he is going to slow down, isn't he? You know, he's going to be thirty three at the start of next season, and you, you can't just keep on relying on him the way they have. So where where will his game evolve over the next couple of years?
1: Well, I think personally, from his point of view, I think he's going to have to evolve into one of the I think if they play two orthodox midfield players, you could play, for instance, with the Barcelona players they've got now, de Jong and Busquets, and then you could play Messi ahead of them. And then you could have three faster, younger, harder working players in attack. Something like that. You know, Messi could be at the tip of a diamond of a midfield four. It's So I think it's obvious, and everybody assumed that that would happen at some stage, that he would drop deeper. And he would be the playmaker in a, a more more of a number ten role instead of being up the front, back to goal or playing out wide, trying to find space, trying to be that incisive player that gets you fifty goals a season. So, with his attributes that he's always had and that he's got, you need to find the place somewhere where he is the playmaker, the dictator. Um, but you're not at the you don't have to rely on him being the only one to keep getting you out of trouble in terms of scoring goals. He'll create 20, 30 goals a season. He'll probably still score 15, 20, 25 goals a season. And that's more than than any other player will do in that position. But at the moment, he's playing right, he's playing left, he's playing centre-forward, he's coming deep and getting the ball because there's there's nothing else up front. So I think ultimately, you know, to, to please him, I, I can't see him moving to a significant club at this stage of his life and his career um, so, Barca, I think Barcelona is where he will stay, unless they just fall apart completely. And, and you know the way the club is being run this season, that's not a million miles away from happening. I, ju- I just couldn't see Messi bothering. When I talk about significant, maybe America in the future. I don't know how he feels about the Middle East or the, the Far East, but I. That's that's a different. I'm not. I'm talking about him leaving and going to coming to the Premier League or going to Italy or going to to play for Bayern Munich and and Dortmund, I can't see any of that happening. So I think the Barcelona have that advantage as long as they don't completely cock it up, which isn't impossible with the way the club is run at the moment.
0: Let's move on and talk about uh, Real Madrid, shall we? Um, it's, It's all gone horribly wrong. It was all so good for them, wasn't it? You know, they were unbeaten for three and a half months and then what is it now? Um one win in five, three defeats from four, two wins in seven, etc. And the main thing seems to be that the intensity has, has gone. They they there was no intensity, they found it, um, and now it's gone again. And there is a, a bit of a correlation for when Faddy Valverde's in or out, but I think that's over stressing the point, isn't it? Um so is is this just where they are? Is this a realistic assessment of how good Real Madrid are until they uh, rework the squad again?
1: Yeah, I think it's focused, John. I think the intensity is there, but I think the focus in terms of they were defending. They knew they were slight underdogs in this league race because of the amount of titles that Barca have won in the last 10, 11 years. So and and they were focused on winning the league, so they were focused people like Ramos was focused on defending they were they were proud of the clean sheets they were keeping the goals the amount of goals that they were you know conceding was better than other years and and Courtois was getting credit and they were they become that that was their style a hard team to beat without a prolific goal scorer, although Benzema was performing that role early in the season. Um, but there were signs. We talked about the, the the players that were coming up with important goals. for ran a couple against Attafe, um, Nacho getting a winner against Valencia, Ramos popping up with goals, Casemiro, and all the time you're thinking they need something more. They need to rely more on the top end of the pitch, the Bales, the Benzema, the Iscos, you know, Hammers, Vinicius, and they were at the time when they were winning games and keeping clean sheets. It didn't look like it was working for me up front. It doesn't now. I looked at Betis, Real Madrid the other night. I didn't see anything up front for Real Madrid that would frighten any team anywhere in any division. Benzema was going through a poor patch. So it, what does he do? He takes responsibility. He drops deep. He goes wide disappears from the centre-forward position, which is his sole responsibility this season for Real Madrid is to stay up front, play as a centre-forward, play where he's back to goal, hold the ball up, get on the other chances in the penalty area. If you miss chances, it happens. But you have to keep putting yourself in that position. Then you've got Vinicius, who's promising. I, I I've said on the podcast, no more than that. And that's how it should be. He's a young player making his way. He should be coming off the bench. His game, sh- Zidane should be selected with the games that he's, he's playing him in. But he's, no, at the moment, he's first choice. And then you've got Lucas Vazquez on the other side. So if you're Betis and you're playing against out from Benzema, a 19-year-old, and Lucas Vazquez, you know, is going to work hard up and down. Quality isn't going to be the same as some of the other players that Real Madrid have had in the past. Then as the game goes on and you finally see at halftime, that there's not a lot coming back the other way that you can get a Real Betis because they've got a centre-back who's playing at right-back. So when you they've got, you know, admittedly, Carvajal injured, um, Nacho is a rep- normal replacement, which it wouldn't have been a lot different from Militel. He's ill. So Militel's centre-back has to play. And you've got Hashraf Hakimi and Alvaro Zola playing on, on loan in other countries. So it's, again, that comes down to planning. But I think once Betis realised at half-time, that, hang on, we, you know, we, we've got a chance here. Um, we need to be more on the front foot. We've probably shown too much respect. And when they set up on Real Madrid in, in the second half, it, it was, it, I mean, first of all, it was a terrific game of football, exactly the type of game I expected and hoped for. And, and ultimately, Betis came out on top. But it would, there would have been an element in that game of Real Betis looking at Real Madrid and thinking, you know, this isn't, we're not playing against Ronaldo, a flying Benzema. Gareth Bell, you know, it's, it, you know, a row from years gone by and the, the other top-class players they've had in the attacking positions, they're blunt. Real Madrid are blunt up front, and I thought it would cost them. I still think it will cost them unless Benzema suddenly finds form or Zidane has a brainwave and decides to try someone else at center forwards because Mariano came on, just the sheer fact there was two up front made a slight difference. They got more balls in the box. They were more direct. Um, Jovic isn't even making the squad now. I think, why not even try Jovic and Mariano Diaz? Because I would say, suggest they're better than the majority of other centre forwards in La Liga. But the two of them don't get a chance at all. I think every most other clubs in the league would take either Jovic or Mariano Diaz. And even we're talking even even the, the the clubs that are fighting for Europe. You know, if you said to you know VRL. Although Josino Casa, would you have had Mariano Diaz and Jovic leading your line? Of course they would. So why not Real Madrid try it and just try it? You know, what, what, I don't see what they've got to lose. And 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 you know Benzema clearly isn't working. Front three isn't working. Zidane has to try to find a solution to Real Madrid to start scoring goals and scaring opponents again.
0: Um, I, I noticed in Marca, the Spanish sports paper, the uh, Pochettino being linked with Real Madrid again, and then the story about would you know the second choice might be Allegri and all of this. Uh, so off the back of a bad run, uh, Zidane was being linked with. Obviously, been uh, speculated that he was going to get the boot. Um, whoever wins La Liga, and it will be one of those two, in a sense they'll be off the hook, won't they? But there are there are still fundamental problems and you hope that the two clubs have got the, the sporting leadership at the top end of the club to recognise that there are problems, that they have declined in terms of the world scene, in terms of European super clubs, that they're not uh, up there at the moment. Not, I mean, they could win the Champions League because, it, you know, they're, they're still good enough. They've still got the right players here and there who can win games for them. Um, but there's almost a danger. Whoever wins the league, whoever you know scrabbles to the end and, and does it, that they think, right, that's fine. It everything's fine. There's, there are no problems. I my major hope uh, is that those two clubs recognise and are honest about the the state that they're in.
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, the, the Barcelona one is interesting because I'm not sure that the, the supporters are protesting now, aren't they, against Bartomeu. They want the elections brought yeah. forward. So that that puts a whole different slunt on what happens with Kiko Setien. Even if he was to win the league, if there's a new president, that's why Chavi turned the job down. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see something significant happen in the summer, even if Barcelona to, were to, if they were to win the league and the Champions League, then I, I think Setien would be un, unsackable. You couldn't sack him, whoever becomes president. But if they were to just win the league and go out in the Champions League, and a new president comes in, we know what that's like. It, it's it brings a new manager. They'll promise a new manager when they're canvassing to be to be voted in. They'll they'll promise new signings, which has happened historically in the past. Then then Setien is 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 a goner. So I think it's it's two different sort of ways we can look at it. With Real Madrid, I actually think Zidane should still be the manager next season. Whatever happens. I do actually think that they they've got some sort of plan which has involved buying young players um spending li- literally hundreds of millions of pounds on you know three young Brazilians um other players that they've they've brought into the club for, I think it's it's you know it's they they seem to have a plan of buying the best young players they can get for the 40 50 million euro range is Zidane the right player, the right manager to bring through young players? I'm not sure about that. I mean, he has he, he's playing Vinicius. He's brought through Ferry Valverde when the you know other managers might not have had the, the the courage to play him on a regular basis and pick him ahead of the likes of Modric and Kroos. So I think Zidane. I'd be surprised if Zidane isn't there next season. Um, but it, it needs a it needs a plan. It needs to be, you know, not not moving Gareth Bell on was a big blow of them because he would have liked the money to have been able to invest in players that he wants to use. Um, so that that's an issue. So in terms of, it's interesting when managers stay at clubs. Sometimes I actually think that's one of the reasons Pochettino left Spurs in the first place. That he didn't, he wasn't able to move out players that he didn't want to play on a regular basis, or he thought didn't have a future. Um, you know, some owners and and chairmen of clubs they want every last penny they can get. They don't want to undervalue a player that they sell, and they end up having to keep them because um, no one meets that valuation. So I think both both sets of both squads do need an overhaul, and that means moving on players that have served you well, um, and having the courage to to you know to back the manager because that you know they're both good managers. But I think and I would like to hope that Real Madrid's who seem a bit more stable, believe it or not, um, with Florentino Perez, who's been there a long time and, and con- continues to be at the, the top of the club. Um, I would like to think there's there's more stability there with Barcelona, I'm not so sure.
0: OK, let's leave Real Madrid and Barcelona there. We'll take a quick break and then we'll get on with the the best of the rest of La Liga. Every day, people experience mysteries that challenge the laws of nature, like enjoying a Coke Zero Sugar. It looks, sounds, and tastes delicious. But how does one explain the great taste if there are zero calories and zero sugar? Some mysteries are just too mysterious. Coca-Cola Zero Sugar, unbelievably delicious. No TV binging session is complete without the unbelievably delicious zero-calorie taste of Coke Zero Sugar. Pick some up at Kroger today. What's up? It's Sierra, new member and ambassador for WW Weight Watchers Reimagined. Since joining, I feel healthier and more confident than ever. The new MyWW Plus, our most holistic program ever, gives you more of what you need to lose weight, like tools to help boost your mindset, get you moving, and plan meals based on what you have on hand. Plus, over 300 zero-point foods you don't have to track. The new MyWW Plus, more holistic, more personalized, more weight loss. Join today with a limited-time offer at ww.com. Welcome back. Uh, Atleti 2, Sevilla 2. So the, the, the best of the rest, with all due respect to um, Hatafe, of course. Uh, probably a more entertaining game than we expected. Certainly the first half uh, was. Uh, similarities between the teams, uh, contrasts between the teams as well, but they are both uh, six games unbeaten. Um, so Atleti,
1: Severe, Terry, uh, what do you think? What, what did you make of it? Was a, there was more goals than I thought? I thought severe and a, a sort of a, a promising version of Atletico Madrid. Um, mm. So the fact there was four goals in the first half led me to get carried away and believe that we were going to get a four four draw. When the second half was <laughs> they cancelled each other out. Um, big games coming up in Europe. It's it's a, it's a kind. It's a strange game where the manager wants to play a strong team because it's against good opponents. They want to play a strong team because of their league position, but at the same time Sevilla are playing Roma in the Europa League. Atletico are playing Liverpool, so there's a little bit of tinkering going on, but it, it was good. I mean, the only thing that, that came close to spoiling it was the the referee rim, um, who officiated the game almost by remote control, where he seemed afraid to give any decisions and was quite happy just to refer everything to VAR um and and uh, which i unfortunately i think is becoming the case now for a lot of referees where they 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 just casually giving a penalty and thinking well i'll, I'll give that and then let's see if VAR will clear it up and then vr go but we don't really want to go against the man the, the, the official um let him go and have a look at the, the touchline and he goes across and he, and you can find the reason to to you know to back the original decision that he gives, because I think both, hand, you know, both penalties in that game were debatable. Um, but it, in, in general, I, I thought it was a good game, and you know, it's uh, pleasing for Atletico to get Xavi Felix back among the goals. Morata scores a penalty. De Jong looked excellent up front; he took his goal fantastically well. As I say, Ocampos with a penalty for Severe. I thought it was a, you know, a, a, a really entertaining game. Um, and much more entertaining than I originally thought it it was going to be. If I'm being honest, but well, did you did you think that as well? Or did were you expecting a a physical nil nil with twelve bookings and players being rested and 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 not you know not the the, the setups that we normally see? But I was you know pleasantly surprised how strong both teams were.
0: Yeah, and how attacking, um, athletic were. I mean, in you know, the the teams in it, there was a similarity, isn't there? In that. I know their formations are not exactly the same, but they, they each had two um, sort of attacking midfielders with a main striker as well, which is good to see, wasn't it? Um, so it, it's... Yeah, I like uh, um, Deli. Is, is that how
1: you pronounce it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Goodelli, Goodelli. Yeah, Goodelli, he, yeah. He looks to be a real find. I mean, he's 28 years of age. He was one of the cheapest signings that Severe made. And the way he plays has, has changed Severe in recent weeks. You know, it's... He's playing, I think, essentially in, the, in a three-man central defence. It's almost came about by accident in the fact he was tried in one game and he played well or he, he went there during a match and he's playing well there. And he, he just pops into midfield when the, the number... shell Felix goes deep. He goes and marks him. Then he drops back in. He's a really intelligent player that, you know, at 28 years of age, as little as Severe paid for him but with all the other players that came. I think I've I've been really impressed with him. I wouldn't say I've been impressed with him the most because I think Diego Carlos has has been you know fantastic. By when you see what players of his caliber, what type you know central defenders, how much you know people are talking about the valuation, twenty five million. Kunde's been a good signing. He's younger; at, he's only twenty one. He cost a similar amount. I think Suso's gone off the boil. Um, but it was for Atletico. It's pleasing to see Urenti get an opportunity and play well again. So slowly but surely he's making progress. And when I look at Atletico now, from the first league against Liverpool, and you're seeing Trippier 100% improves Atletico Madrid from that first league, where he, which he he missed, and Jale Felix massively improves Atletico Madrid. Will he play Costa from the start? 100% fit Costa, match fit Costa would be a real asset in the the second leg at Anfield. but he's not that at the moment. He, you know he's significantly away from it. 20 odd minutes is about his he's level at the moment. So probably Murata gets the start. It's going to be interesting to see if you know what Simeone does in the, in the second leg to try and you know keep a clean sheet at the same time provide a threat up the other end. Um, game I, I can't wait to see. To be honest.
0: Uh, Give us a quick overview of the the relegation situation again, Terry. I mean, obviously, it hasn't changed massively week to week, although obviously a a bad week for for Espanyol uh, in particular, beaten by Osasuna, not a good performance, ended up with Cabrera in goal, uh, which I know can happen because, you know, goalkeeper sent off late in the game and all of that. Um, But just, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we were thinking that they might be getting it sorted out. Um, same time, so this weekend, Mallorca win away at Abar, dragging Abar uh, right back into it via Dolid. Unlucky to get hammered, sort of hammered. in The, the, the scoreline was hammering uh, against Athletic, but the yeah. performance not necessarily. Um, uh, Leganes, tremendous goal, tremendous results against Villarreal. Um, there is no, there's no obvious basket case down there at the moment, is there? Obviously, Espanyol are bottom, so you, you know everything tells you they must be the worst team.
1: Yeah, I think Abelardo has to take a bit of blame. He's been four for two. He had success at Alaves with that. He started at Espanyol with success with that. In the in recent weeks, he's been going with like a four five one with Sergi Dada playing off the front. I thought Raul de Thomas was playing well because of the efforts of Caleri, who was knocking himself out every week. Um, unselfish centre-forward, works hard, is physical. And once you took him out of the team and you let, you then asked Raul de Thomas to do Kaleri's job and score goals in it in every game, I think they're asking for trouble. At half-time, he made the change. He brought him back on. He brought Kaleri back into the fold. But it was half a game wasted by Espanyol. And then Abelardo has got to be furious with the, the two players that cost his team the go, the, the game. Victor Sanchez with a ridiculous handball. I mean, it, it, it's a penalty. When you look at it, his arm goes out. There's no need for it to, for him to, to use that action with his arm. He could have cleared it. He could have left it. Um, so, you know, there's a player there that's plenty of experience, gives away the, the cheapest penalty of the weekend. And there was a few of them um, to, to Osasuna. And then Espanol with Diego Lopez in goal. You know, I mean, he gets the first booking is for descent over that penalty, which was an obvious penalty. He's 38 years of age. Then he comes out on the edge of the box, takes it on the edge of the penalty area where he must have known this is, you know, very close to me being handling it outside the penalty box. Could be a free kick. I'll get booked. We'll be down to 10 men. We've used all that. 38 years of age. So I think he was... Those two players in particular let Espanyol down and Abelardo with the wrong team selection. But as regards to the rest of them, it, there was teams that thought they were safe, that uh, clearly are not now. You mentioned Vardini. I thought they were terrific <laughs> and lost 4-1. On the same hand, I could say Athletic have well, been terrific in recent weeks and have lost games they should have won. Then suddenly out of the blue, they have five or six attempts at goal and four of them go in. And um, Vaidin had had numerous attempts on goal. They they just got the one and thought they were back in the game. Sandro, had a terrific goal. But it was just one of those days. Sometimes you try to find logic in a game. And I tried to find logic in the, and also in the VRL Leganes one. It should have been three, four, five nil at half time to VRL. And then you're looking at the comeback from Leganes in the second half, which consisted of an unbelievable strike from a super talented player. Another player that's uh, Real Madrid on loan, 21 years of age, Oscar Rodriguez, who showed the quality that he wouldn't be a million miles away from being what Brahim Diaz does for Real Madrid. And they spent a a lot of money on buying him, a lot of um, money on salary for Brahim Diaz, who we don't see anymore at Real Madrid. There's very little difference, very little difference between Oscar Rodriguez and a player that they've spent money on. He scores a wonder goal, then they get a penalty. Other than that, they barely had attempts on goals. So, so you know, we, we analysed stuff. Where is the logic in how Athletic won 4-1 at Valladolid? And where was the logic in somehow Leganers? At half-time, they were dead and buried. 1-0, no sign of a comeback. One goal out of the blue. The belief of VRL, they panicked. They've lost to other teams at home this season that are rounds where Leganers are in the division. And and the, the game completely changed. VRL didn't have any belief going forward. Um didn't create as many chances as they did in the first half. And there was a sense of, you know, you actually thought, you looked at Villarreal and thought, they actually don't believe they're going to win this game anymore and they should have been 5-0 up at half-time. So the, the relegation battle is is firmly on, um, I would say, up to Alaves. You mentioned Vardy did. I think Alaves still have work to do. I'm not saying for one, the, the one moment they'll go down because... It was a, a, a hard-fought one, 1-1 one draw on Friday against Valencia to open the, the, the week's fixtures up. That's what you're going to get from Alaves. They're 32 points, they're seven points above it, but they still need to do some work. But for, for Valladolid, Abar, they're firmly you know in, in, in the, the relegation battle now. Great win for Mallorca, first away win of the season. Great win for Leganes, first away win of the season. As you said, it was a, a desperate weekend for Espanyol. Right, I think that
0: summarises uh, La Liga for now. So we'll leave it there, and I think maybe Terry will, because there's obviously big uh, one massive game in, in the Atleti or Liverpool Atleti game, and then the uh, Europa League games as well. Um, so we'll maybe come back later in the week and have a look at those uh, as we're recording on ZenCast. gives a little bit more flexibility. Um, and we just don't know what's happening with the La Liga fixtures yet, whether they're behind closed doors. I don't think there's any suggesting yet, as I speak, uh, that they're going to be called off. But we'll see. Um, fingers crossed that we, we get some football. Fingers crossed that, you know, the, the, the virus starts to uh, die, die away now. And uh, enjoy your football this week. And we'll see you for another podcast soon. Bye-bye.